0: Welcome into your betting preview for this week's CJ Cup. I'm Rick Amon, that right there, Andy Lack. Andy, 78 golfers, uh, no cut, but back on Eastern time. So this is much more into the normal viewing window that we would be expecting on the PGA Tour.
1: Right, uh, event of the fall swing, would you say, probably? I mean, we've got 15 of the yeah. top 20 players in the world here.
0: Yeah, that's fair, and we're going to a golf course that's very unique that we have seen one time right? So that that's exciting as well. Yeah. I think, I think this is clearly, uh, the a plus event of the fall. I'd agree.
1: I actually like the Houston golf course that we have coming up in a couple of weeks as well. That's a Tom Doak design. So I'm excited for that as well, but this is an awesome golf course, Rick. And, and I wrote about this a lot in the Monday preview that I did on Rick but it's very seldom that we get to see golf courses on the PGA tour that play really firm and fast, right? Right. It's a, it's a lot of soft, very green target golf courses on the PGA tour and Congaree is different than that. Congaree is closer to an ocean course or a Southern Hills where there's a ton of short grass around the greens. And once that ball gets rolling, it's hard to figure out when it's going to stop.
0: Without, uh, I mean, we could go on a, uh, on the golf course tangent if we want, but the idea that we've seen this golf course once the Palmetto championship, which was held in June of 2021 now in October date, Andy, you know, I, I want it to be firm and fast. I think everybody does. Uh, How likely do you think it's firm and fast this week in October?
1: Well, I would just say, based on the climate, it's probably not going to be maybe as firm as fast as what we saw at the Palmetto. The Palmetto, I believe, was in the middle of the summer. And this is kind of a broad generalization, but golf courses, it's a lot easier for golf courses to be firm and fast during the summer because you get more hours of sunlight, right? Essentially, right? And so some of the times when we've seen these southeastern courses in the fall, it's a rainy season in the fall, right? Remember how soft the November masters played. It's just, it's a little bit harder to keep these, get these golf courses fiery, but I've been monitoring the weather this week, Rick, and I'll write about this a little bit more in my Wednesday article too, but it's not like the area has gotten a ton of rain or anything like that, or we're going to see a ton of rain tournament week. So I still expect this to be like a pretty tough test
0: all right well pretty tough test for the world's best here is uh the odds grid uh via odds checker which allows you to kind of shop these numbers across the board so uh the two favorites rory mcelroy plus 700 john rom plus 950 and then we get to only two other golfers uh sub 20 to one that's scotty scheffler as long as 12 to one justin thomas at 16 um Depending on where you were shopping, because I know Max Homa and you're still seeing that Max Homa at DraftKings is 16 to one, which is the same odds as Justin Thomas over there, as long as 31 to one. So I, I we could kind of maybe loop him into uh, the top of the board if, if DraftKings is the only place that you have access to bet that.
1: Right. Uh, and I would encourage everyone to shop around because you're seeing a fair amount of discrepancies this week one guy that you're not seeing a ton of discrepancy with that it seems like the books seem to agree pretty wholeheartedly that he deserves to be in that 13 to 16 to one range and is the player that i believe will win this tournament is justin thomas Mm -hmm. um and i you know it's hard to believe rick that over the past 24 months JT's only two wins have come at the players and PGA championship. You know, this is a guy that early on in his career made a living off of beating up weaker fields in golf's quote unquote off season. Nine of his 15 PGA tour wins have come between the months of September and February. Uh, So I just think JT is due for one of those strong fall swing performances and both of his PGA championship wins Rick wide open driver heavy golf courses with a ton of short grass. Quail Hollow was even Tom Fazio redesigned as well. So I think that this is the t- any you know any type of golf course where you have to be creative with your short game, you've got some room to operate off the tee and you need to be a good long iron player. I'm playing JT there 10 times out of 10.
0: Yeah, you kind of already alluded to the the Southern Hills connection. Obviously, JT getting it done at Southern Hills earlier this year will go a little bit Uh, further, Oh, before we do, uh, JT's won this event twice, obviously not at this golf course, but worth noting when you get him in a four round, you know, no cut event with 78 golfers, um, this time of year, he's certainly capable of thriving as we enter into the twenties. This is where you get Sung J.M., Matt Fitzpatrick, Sam Burns, Victor Hovland, basically everybody else. And you can extend that to Cam Young and Jordan Spieth and even, uh, Tom Kim, Max Homa, Colin Morikawa, Shane Lai. I mean, literally depending on where you're looking the next 10 or 12 guys might be in this 22 to 32 range.
1: Right. And I actually wanted to, cause there are a ton of great names in here. I, one question I wanted to ask you that I've been battling with a little bit myself this week is how much are you factoring in the travel of those who played in Tokyo last week? Because I tend to underrate that stuff, but like Tokyo to the West coast doable. Tokyo to the East coast is like bad. Like it's a, it's, that is a, that is a tough, tough trip.
0: It is. I also generally think these guys who I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of miles they rack up every year are much better at traveling than the average person, right? Like if I if I do a six-hour trip from the West Coast to the East Coast, like I'm cooked for three days, these guys are much more in tune uh, with their body, things that help them get through it, things that help them do not. So I also tend to not care as, as much as I think most people want to care about this.
1: Right. Okay, so there are three players in that range that all played in the Zozo that I've been having a little bit of trouble with figuring out which one I like the best of this group of Hovland, Cameron Young, and Morikawa. And I guess we can throw Tom Kim in there as well. Who are you most inclined to roll with this week?
0: Um, I think it's Tom Kim, believe it or not. So Interesting. Yeah, um, I worry a hair about cam young, like, I think you're going to get the upside, but I think you're going to get some down weeks. He has not been as good recently as he was most of last year. Again, we're, we're splitting hairs. Uh, Morikawa is probably up there as well. I'm, I'm a believer that we are going to get kind of a massive year from him. He is still an elite iron player and he, he puts in a way that wins trophies. So I'm excited about that, but uh, let's be real. Like Tom Kim's rolling and Tom Kim is going to play out of the fairway. If we get firm and fast stuff, which, uh, I hope that we get, he is likely not as going to be, um, as behind the eight ball uh, with, with the lack of driving distance. And then like the rest of his game, it, it's unbelievable. You know, we don't have the numbers from the Zozo because they don't send the lasers or the cameras over there, but he is gaining, Basically a stroke or more per round on approach dating back to the 3M open. His putter can get absolutely scorching. I mean, the, the guy is uh so incredibly solid right now. And and what we've also learned is guys kind of on heaters have been staying on heaters, Andy, right? Like they've just been right. living in the moment seemingly much more frequently as of late. So I I'm a I'm a really big believer in Tom Kim and I and I like the number here.
1: Okay. Interesting. I I thought you were going to go with Hovland here, who I have some interest in myself as well. I I would actually probably lean Cam Young uh, in this spot of, of those four guys solely based on the reason, you know, I brought up Southern Hills already too. He finished third there and had a legitimate chance to win down the stretch. I look at some of the other courses that Cameron Young has had a ton of success at. How about St. Andrews? That's another driver-heavy course that gives you a ton of room to operate off the tee. Has these big, giant, interesting, nuanced green complexes. But the fact that he is such a powerful driver and this is a driver-heavy course... Uh, allows him to have just such a huge advantage on some of the second shots already where he can carry a lot of these bunkers and put himself in positions where some of these green complexes, I believe, are going to be pretty tough to approach with long iron. So I I really do think Cam Young has a built-in advantage this week. And then Hovland, you know, Hovland of that group probably looked the best at the Zozo. You know, he just, he was never really able to get it going on Sunday in that final round, he rebounded a little bit on the back nine, but you know, another golf course that's interesting that I was thinking about a lot where Morikawa actually won and Havlis finished second was the concession. Remember that WGC course that we saw about a year and a half ago, right? Or two years ago now where you've got, again, wide open, expansive fairways, Southeastern slick Bermuda grass greens, these big, deep, Bunkers and interesting nuanced green complexes, ton of short grass everywhere. Hovland finished second there. So I I would say for me, it's probably Young and Hovland that I prefer the most.
0: That, uh, next range where you get into the thirties with Shane Lowry and even to the forties with Hideki and Aaron wise and some of these other guys, um, Terrell Hatton is here, Andy. And the reason I point him out is for a couple of reasons. He's got, uh, you know, a handful of top tens in his last five starts. That's that's worldwide. Um, had a really ugly quad made a couple of big numbers last week, but made a, made a bunch of birdies as well the one year of history that we have at Congaree hadn't finished runner up. It was a big T like six or seven way tie for second behind Gary Higo. How much are you giving credence to the guys that did indeed play this event and play it well last June?
1: Some, I, I think Hatton is an interesting case because he should have won that tournament if he was even just a neutral putter. Right. And that, that needs to count for something that is This is clearly a golf course that fits Hatton's eye off the tee, and we've seen him perform quite well on firm Bermuda courses before. He's got a first and second at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, which is Bermuda, very firm, ton of long irons. So, you know, I worry about the fact that it seems like Hatton, at least in the past 12 to 16 months, hasn't really been able to find his footing on us soil but i look back at the courses that he's played so well at in the u.s and it's these types of courses so i certainly have interest in hatton at the very least in like a matchup guy or in the finishing position markets or in DraftKings.
0: the five golfers who are in this field uh this year who finished inside the top 20 at the palmetto championship are Terrell hatton uh, Matt Fitzpatrick, Ches Revy, Harris English, and Seamus Power. Those are the five that are playing this week uh, that had success in 2021. Okay. Who else? Andy, is there anybody? I mean, because we're kind of starting, you know, this is, this is always the big question. Um, when you get as many top players as we have this week, what, you start to wonder where you draw the line on who can actually win this golf tournament. You know, Billy Horschel's 50 to one Keegan Bradley just won last week at 60, along with Taylor Montgomery. Like where are we drawing the line here?
1: Probably Aaron Wise, <laughs> to be honest with you, and we would we would be remiss not to mention kind of our our shared favorite player, the Rick and Andy Venn diagram overlaps when we get to Aaron wise, and I look at a player that has a pretty immaculate resume at a course like Quail Hollow right he's got a ninth, a second, and an eighteenth there that's another Tom Fazio course with slick Bermuda Greens that plays really firm, is long, and is driver heavy. Aaron Wise was great there. You want to talk some more, Tom Fazio. How about a fifth last year at the Summit Club, right? That's another wide open Tom Fazio course. Uh, Ocean course. Aaron Wise is top 20 at the ocean course too. Another South Carolina firm golf course with these vast wide open fairways and expansive sandy waste areas and a ton of short grass around the greens. I just think this golf course fits his eye. It's the type of golf course that should fit his eye very well. I know the major concern that you're probably looking at on RickrunGood.com is you could see that his approach play was quite poor in his last start at the Shriners, but scroll down a little bit further and look at the weeks after he's had a bad approach week. Yeah. Pretty damn good. He usually rebounds pretty damn well
0: after a bad approach
1: week. Yeah, he so, basically
0: never has back-to-back losing weeks, or at least hasn't ex- in like the last eighteen months. Exactly, exactly.
1: So I'm there, sixty-six to one.
0: Um, the, this will be a good segue into matchups because the other guy that I, you know, you you have to love what you see from the Emiliano uh stat profile and the results that he's been putting up, but to ask him to beat out what fifteen of the top twenty players in the world and you know, in a no-cut event, I think that's a big ask. So that's where I kind of start to look at some of these matchups and see where I can find access to Grelo. Now, DraftKings has him even money to Maverick McNeely's minus one twenty. That's probably the favorite Grelo matchup uh, that I saw. But does anything kind of stick out to you as I scroll through this matchup board?
1: Well, I fade him every week, and it hasn't been working out well for me, but. What do we do with Taylor Montgomery, Rick, who's gained 22 strokes putting in his last three starts and is a negative approach player?
0: Yeah, he might just be like the new Denny McCarthy, Andy. What, what if he's just like the world's best putter?
1: This is way above a Denny pace, though. Yeah, right. Anyway, like like this is
0: like 4'8", um, 12". This is like double a Denny pace.
1: I'd be curious to see if there's any golfer in in the database who's gained over five strokes putting in four starts in a row. Seriously, I, I'd be I'd be surprised if somebody
0: has done that before. Plus five in four straight. I'll look it up. Okay. Plus five and four straight. Um yeah I mean this is this is such a tough stat profile because you're 100 percent right. He is either uh the best putter on the planet by a factor of two or this is coming to an end at some point. And, uh, that is the latter is much more likely. What I wish we had though, because when you look at straight results, it's six straight top 15 finishes, seven straight going back to the corn ferry. I wish we kind of had more information about how he played kind of down the stretch, but I, I agree. He is such, um, such a fast whether you're going to bet him or not whether you're going to play him on draft games or not, like just tracking what Taylor Montgomery does for the next couple of months is like one of my top priorities
1: right and and I dug into it a little bit, Rick we don't have like true strokes gained from it, but it's not like I'm sitting here saying he's a poor ball striker on the p g a tour. So far in a very limited sample size, he has not been a great ball striker. But you do not accumulate those results on the Corn Ferry Tour without being at least, at the very least, an above-average ball striker. So I saw him matched up against Wise. I would play Wise against most people this week, but that was probably the – the number one matchup that stood out to me the most.
0: Yeah, bo- both are minus 110 at DraftKings. Here, here's one, and these are two guys we haven't talked about. I want to get your thoughts on this. Matt Fitzpatrick is plus 105 to Scotty Scheffler's minus 130. Um, Scotty Scheffler technically could lose his spot as the number one player in the world this week. Did you know that? If uh, Rory wins or finishes second, I believe. Right, I did know that. Done. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it is clear that while Scotty, so both of these things can be true. Scotty's been awesome. Scotty has also not putted nearly as well as he was earlier in 2022. And that's, that shouldn't be a surprise, right? He routed off four wins in however many starts it was. Go- something was going to regress. He wasn't going to win 40% of his starts moving forward. How concerned are you about this stat profile? And then I can also kind of, as we're talking about, I can bring up Fitzpatrick's as well. Well, yeah, I mean,
1: he lost the putter towards the end of the season and, Rick, as you just mentioned, like it was a somewhat unsustainable pace in terms of winning, right? After Scheffler won the Masters, I did not expect him to play so well over the course of the rest of the season. I mean, he lost in a playoff at Colonial. He almost went the US Open too, right? So Scheffler he has sustained it over a long enough period of time now where we can't just say it's a heater anymore. This guy is a bona fide top five player in the world. With that being said, I do not think he's going to win four times this next year. I actually would not be surprised if he doesn't win more than once. Right? So if you give me a matchup with Fitzpatrick, I'm probably leaning Fitzpatrick uh, just because he's another guy who's played this course before and has finished. Uh, I think he played well. I think he finished top 10 too. So uh, I'd probably lean Fitzpatrick, but long-term concerns about Scheffler, I, I, I wouldn't sound the alarm bells.
0: Yeah. It was a T10 for Fitzpatrick at Congaree last year. Uh, I just love the well-rounded nature, And that's not to say Scotty Scheffler is not well-rounded either. Clearly he is, but like the well-rounded nature of Fitzpatrick, you know, this is not a link style golf course, Andy, right. But it's, I think it's going to give you options. I think it's going to reward creativity a little bit. You know, I, I think that a guy like Fitzpatrick certainly fits the mold.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, uh, let's look at some of the other, I'm going to keep saying Southern Hills, right. This is yeah. another guy that played great at Southern Hills, Bay Hill too. another Bermuda course where Uh, you've got a ton of long irons in your hand and short game really matters too. So these are the types of golf courses that you think are going to hold Fitzpatrick's attention. You probably don't want them on courses where you need to get to 25 under. And I think that this is a course that's going to fall right into that Fitzpatrick 10 to 14 under range.
0: We've got to talk about props and we have to get back on track with our one and done selections because we did not make one and done selections this week, but that's okay because neither of us made them. so it's. All square, all good. Uh, We are going to do that, but first we're going to take a quick break and hear about Andy's podcast. Andy Lack is one of the nerdiest golf guys that I know, and I mean that as an absolute compliment. His knowledge of course architecture allows him to create some of the most actionable course previews available, and he offers up pure expertise on his own podcast, the Inside Golf Podcast. Twice a week, he offers course breakdowns, DFS, and betting strategy for every PGA Tour event, and he expands the universe by bringing on entertaining and knowledgeable guests who can offer a different viewpoint of the game that we love follow inside golf pod on Twitter and download inside golf, wherever you download podcasts and we're back. Okay. The props they just dropped, like literally while we were recording this Andy on Prize picks. So you can go to uh, the link in the description. You can use the code Rick. You can get yourself a hundred dollar deposit, uh match, at prize picks they've got birdies are better birdies are better matchups greens and regulation fairways hit and strokes now we'll start with the strokes because um they've got the big boys jt scotty rom and rory all at 65 and a half the highest available props appear to be gary woodland's 69 uh but you can get some mm. guys at 68 68 and a half what do we think The scoring average could be because then we then really we're taking and looking at the top you know twenty or so options here.
1: I think it's probably going to be between half half a stroke under par to about a stroke and a quarter under par. Does that sound right? I don't have the Palmetto numbers up in front of me, but just at kind of a macro level, bird's eye view these feel a little bit low to me, Rick. And I would probably look at a player like Jason day and say, man, if Jason day shoots two under, that's a pretty darn good round around Congaree.
0: Yeah. It's it's, so this, so let's, let's do the math here. So Jason day at 68, uh, which this is a par 71. So two under is, you know, more than his, uh, his product. If we think, if we think that, Let's say we think this plays a half stroke under par. So that would be 70.5. He would have to gain, uh, basically two and a half strokes, right? Am I doing this right To, to, to beat you on that? So how often does, uh, Jason day gain two and a half strokes to the field? Well, I can pull him up here and we can just look at this last 100 rounds. Um, he gains two or more 31% of the time. And three or more, 19% of the time. So that is that's a that's a pretty sizable ask for Jason Day. And even if you go shorter term instead of a hundred rounds, I bet you, yeah, it's not. I mean, his plus three is better, but his plus two is basically the same. So this is that's a pretty sizable ask for Jason Day in his current form to gain two and a half strokes on the field.
1: Right. And I mean, that's an excellent way of looking at it too. I love that tool. That you have there where you can, it's basically like an upside measuring stick, right? Right. Like you're basically seeing, okay, what is this guy's ceiling? What is this guy's floor? Which I think could be really helpful in prize picks. So yeah, I would think just kind of at a macro level, Rick, they feel a touch low to me with the par 71. So I would probably look to pick on guys like Jason day and there, there are a few others in there Keegan coming off a win maybe, but um, yeah, I'd probably go if we're talking strokes, I'd probably go overs wreck
0: Yeah. So Jason day, Keegan Bradley, both at 68 for round one, um, just kind of macro. How do we feel about Ricky here? Cause he's 68 and a half. So you get the hook if you wanted to go under this, are you a buyer in what Ricky has been doing kind of now back with, uh, back with Butch, he's got a new voice on the bag. We're seeing uh, at least a, a lot better play in his last couple of starts.
1: I am. Tentatively, yes. Um, It seems still like it's been a little bit of a flip floppy thing with Ricky so far, right? Like he finishes six at the Fortinet and then everybody hops on him for the Shriners and he misses the cut. And then everybody hops back off and he almost wins the Zozo. Uh I'm curious to see. You know, he we he didn't actually get the price increase that I was kind of expecting. I think he's pretty reasonably priced in DraftKings and in the betting markets. Um, so he's a guy that I definitely do have some interest in, but I would probably need to say that I need to see it over a little bit larger of a sample size and against some stronger competition before I make this guy a mainstay on my betting card every week.
0: Uh, worth noting, if we loop this conversation back to another Fazio that you mentioned earlier, Summit Club, that is, uh, yeah. which was this event last year, is where Ricky held the 54 hole lead, battled with Rory McIlroy down the stretch rory eventually nabbed him but maybe this is a, a chance for him to have two good starts in a row instead of doing the flip-flop opportunity
1: right i believe he's one at quail too i could be wrong about that but i think he's won at quail hollow
0: uh yeah he has that was in let's see 2013 20... 2012 Wow. Okay. Yeah. I I would, I would have been like, oh, that was like definitely 2016 or definitely 2017. I forgot Ricky's been around. Ricky's making his 300th career start this week. Justin Thomas making his 200th. And it's like jarring (sighs) to me to think that Ricky is actually like, old. like, you know what I mean? Like I always think Ricky's still 19 years old.
1: Rick, did you know that in 2014, Ricky finished top five in all four majors? Yeah. Isn't that crazy?
0: Yeah. That, like a, feat, that, a feat that very few people have been able to accomplish <laughs> ever,
1: ever yeah. in the his in the history of golf. Right. I mean, you look at even somebody like Rory and Zalatoris who felt like they were in the mix at every single major this year, and they're still not finishing top five at all four of them. So anyway, it's good to see him playing well again. Um, I, I think golf is in a better spot when Ricky's playing well.
0: Yeah, so we're leaning some of the overs uh on prize picks. If you're feeling frisky on Ricky, his number for round one is sixty-eight and a half. I'll also take this opportunity, because it is uh the first day of the NBA season to shamelessly plug RunGoodprops.com, which is literally just a dashboard that pulls over all the sports props and allows you to see what the real probability is because uh, it compares it to DraftKings. So you can get Tobias Harris over one and a half threes, Clay Thompson over two and a half threes. Those are both significant favorites compared to kind of just the even money uh, type of props that you're normally seeing on prize picks. Um, final thing to do here, Andy, and we whiffed out on it last week, but it is our one and done selection. So as we stand here, I'm smoking you. I literally... Yikes have three times as much money as you do. So this is probably an insurmountable lead. If you just want to call this right now, um, I'll accept, and we can just move on and save the time every single week. What do you think?
1: Long (laughs) season ahead of us, buddy, but you're right. It has been a very slow start for me. I think I went Pendrith, Henley, Wise, and none of those guys have finished inside the top 50 um so yeah it's a rough start but we're looking to get back on the wagon again this week
0: for those who are only listening uh i'm obviously being facetious i have a hundred thousand dollars in three events and andy has thirty three thousand. so uh (laughs) literally like a t30 would probably close the gap uh maybe even maybe even worse than that uh this week at a at, at a cj cup so um A lot of options, right? You've got a lot of great players, but that always uh, kind of creates a situation where you're like, ah, should I save them? Uh, I think the the winner's share is going to be, I think it's 1.98, so it's pretty significant. Like, what are we doing, or what are some reasonable options for one and done this week?
1: You know, I think that you're probably not going to want to play a big, big gun. Right, like I think if you're I agree with that. if you're thinking about rolling out Rory or JT or Rom or Scheffler, I would exercise a little bit of caution because you know you want to have some of those guys at your disposal for the majors. Mm-hmm. With that being said, I feel pretty damn comfortable rolling out a Hovland here or mm-hmm. a Cameron Young or Sam Burns. I mean, this purse is big enough where I believe that those types of players are justified. Just to segue into who I'm going to go with this week, I'm going to roll with Shane Lowry. I think this is an okay spot to utilize Shane Lowry here. Uh, He's in that kind of sweet spot of the betting market between like 25 and 35 to one. I really like this golf course for him. I bet him to win outright. So I feel pretty comfortable with Lowry as a selection here.
0: I have so much to say, so I'm so happy about that. <laughs> so, a couple of things. Armina and I, we were doing our little pre-production meeting, and we were going through the the cheat sheet or the spreadsheet. And she said, "Who are you going to pick?" And I told her who I'm going to pick. And she said, "Who is Andy going to pick?" And she said it jokingly. And I said, "I bet you he picked Shane Lowry." So she punched in Shane Lowry question mark into the spreadsheet, <laughs> and now we can remove that question mark because I knew you were going to go with Shane Lowry, which I like. I think it's a good play.
1: Well, if you read the Monday article, he was number one in my model. You know, he was ahead of, um, he was even ahead of Rory and JT. So yeah, I like this spot a lot for Shane Lowry. And I feel like even Rick, if we're projecting this out to bigger contests, I do not believe that he will be super highly owned in the run and done either.
0: The other situation that we have, uh, that someone correctly corrected me on last week is uh it's not gonna matter for this week but the whoever is in the lead needs to go first Andy because if not the person who was in first could just pick the same golfer
1: you're right you're right sorry for jumping the gun early there I was so excited okay. about Shane
0: <laughs> no as and as you should be and I was excited that you picked Shane as well I am in agreement that um I probably do not want to burn a big boy. I think that there are some guys, even like who are a little bit further down the board, like a Jordan Speeth who like just get me Spieth in Texas or get me Spieth at Augusta or get me Spieth at an open. Ch- like I got a lot of opportunities for Jordan Spieth down the stretch, even though I I, I do like the way he sets up for this. Um, I kind of narrowed it down to two: uh, Matt Fitzpatrick, who I just I just love the well-rounded nature you kind of alluded to. If this thing is ten to fourteen under par, awesome. Uh, but the golfer that I've selected, which is a little bit of a reach for me uh, is Terrell Hatton, and I just with the one year of history, the eleven strokes ball striking, the low key better recent form than I think it actually appears. I, I'm going with I'm going with Terrell here, and I don't and Love I don't it. think I need to save him for anything. No,
1: nope, I agree. Love the pick, and I think that similar to Shane Lowry, he's right in that mix of you feel. He, he can really win this tournament. Right. But you don't feel crazy about, Oh, I need to save Hatton for this spot. Last question before we get out of here. I'm always curious about what you think. Who do you think is like the chalk one and done option this week? Like who, who is, yeah, who is the guy question. that leads ownership in run and done?
0: So I will tell you that. I think, I think that uh, it's harder to tell this week than most because of the fact that we don't have like a ton of great, course history. Right. And, uh, we have so many golfers in the field. So, uh, I don't think there's going to be a guy who's like 25% owned or something like that. Right. I think, uh, I think Victor is going to be pretty popular. And yeah. I think Matt Fitzpatrick is going to be pretty popular. Yeah. I- I'm pulling up. Um, here we go. So as of right now, and again, anybody can go see this on officefootballpool.com. There is not a single golfer site wide who is being selected over 10%, which yeah. is like very, very rare. So the top five are Victor at 9.3, Fitz at 7.9, Sung Jay at 6.5, and then both Max Home and Rory McElroy at 5.1%. But to not see any golfer over 10% right now is, I think, a testament to the depth of the field and the lack of course history. Right. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I was
1: going to say Sung Jae and Sam Burns would be my guesses for two options that turn out yeah. to be very popular, but that doesn't surprise me at all. That no guy is clearing 10%. There's, there's no real way to go wrong in this field.
0: Sam Burns at 4.6%. He's the eighth uh, highest owned at the moment, but that is only 3% less than the guy in second. So like it's literally... Just super packed and super tight.
1: Right. And listen, if you feel really strongly about Rory McElroy this week, who has absolutely dominated Fozio courses, yeah. one at the Summit Club, one twice at Quail Hollow, one at the Ocean Course, too. And Rory wins this event. And what does the winner get this week? 1.
0: 1.98, 1, 1. 1- I think.
1: One nine eight. Okay. So what is, and you're thinking to yourself, would I take the one nine eight or would I want to save him for one of the majors? It's like, I'd take the 1.98 10 yeah, times. Yeah. Because time.
0: the only position that he beats you at a major is by winning. If he finishes second at a major 1.98 is better.
1: Right. And he has probably a much higher chance of winning this event than he does. We'll say the U S open, right? Probably.
0: I mean, almost certainly, right? I mean, just just the size of field, the twelve guys at the bottom that are not going to contend. You're going to get all the same guys at the U.S. Open, plus maybe Dustin Johnson and Cam Smith, Cam Smith
1: and Xander and Cantley too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. So right, actually, or maybe I'll just play Rory McIlroy in the run and done. (laughs) Right, it's not,
1: it's not a, it's not a bad move, honestly.
0: Uh, all right, Andy, much appreciated as always. Andy is available on Twitter at ADP lack sports. You can find me at Rick run good. This has been your betting preview for this week's CJ cup. Good luck.